0: whole trip was very contradictory to a traditional fishing trip yep where it is maybe more so about lounging out relaxing hanging out with the boys drinking some beer like this was an endurance challenge physical and mental challenge and then when we were done with our challenge we could fish a little bit you know and we we didn't fish that much relative to how much time we were out there but it it made that little bit of time that we did get to fish like so much more exciting We're 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 rolling. We're out here in the middle of nowhere. Still out here. Still still out (laughs) here. Still out here. (laughs) Looking greasy, feeling greasy. Gonna start feeling a little more greasy when the sun creeps up. I'm
1: sweating right now.
2: But how greasy
1: did you feel? Oh my gosh, man! (laughs) After
0: seven, six days. I kind of just got used to it at a certain point. But then looking back now and some of the footage and seeing my hair in the morning and shit and (laughs) seeing what was going on. I was like, wow, we were roughing it (laughs) big time. What freaked me out was after we got back to the truck,
2: we all went swimming and kind of like rinsed off, drove back to Missoula or town X. And, uh, went to the hotel and showered and so much dirt still came off so
0: much
1: like you could smell the campfire coming off your body into the shower it was like just this aroma of all the smells that accumulated over a week
0: (laughs) yeah and we hadn't had any hot water it was just i mean besides the jet boil bubbling water that burnt over or bubbled over the (laughs) uh when we were trying to turn it off we hadn't felt any warm water
1: no. Right. We did have soap though, environmentally friendly soap. Doctor B's. Doctor B's. Doc
2: B's
0: keeping us fresh. That's clutch, dude.
1: <laughs> well, we I, we just wrapped up
0: a 130 mile bike packing trip through the mountains, and we well, probably had over. I haven't checked the full official elevation, but I think it's gonna. It's well over like 10, five. Yeah. Ten thousand five hundred.
2: Ten five to twelve thousand vertical feet we climbed on our bikes. That's insane, dude. Plus a bonus eight hundred or I guess four hundred. Four hundred down to the lake, four hundred back up. I count those both as
1: on foot.
0: Efforts. Yeah, yeah. That was huge, dude. And in the in the sandals too, like it just Yeah. That was tough. <laughs> yeah. The sandals did better than I
2: expected, but like Seven days in, I was wanting a little bit more. Yeah. So
0: I mean, the whole idea of this was to pack light, to keep it simple, to bring one pair of shoes, you know, one pair of clothes, one pair of just like the things that we needed. And so the the bedrocks worked out great in terms of lightness and performed like we needed to. But I also am not a guy who wears toe like wears wears uh, sandals with toes. My chacos don't have the toe strap. No toe loop. Yeah, and I so I I. I never end up wearing uh, flip flops either, so I just have no callus for a, a toe strap. No, so dude, no sport but, mode even in your chacos. No, no. Wow, I know it's great, <laughs> <laughs> but I got I got my
1: calluses in this week, which is good. Yeah, it's nice to have a g string on your foot. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly, dude. Will you came from Florida where your feet got freaking toasted in chacos so the change might have been good
1: yeah i have probably six different lines on my feet now all sorts of shapes and sizes and peeling skin a few cuts here and there uh it's it's good i take it as a good thing because it's a sign that we've been busy we've been out there getting after it in the wild you know it's a you know, it's something to be proud of. You know, it means we're not sitting on the couch. You don't. This doesn't happen to your feet when you sit on the couch. No, know? it just doesn't happen. So,
0: for anyone watching, you might be able to see, but we're pretty beat up, man. Like the legs are just torched. Oh, Walk yeah. with shorts walking through. Dude, I can't believe we get, didn't get stung by more bees. We got stung by one bee. Yeah, by you flying. It flew into your. It your... like got under my glasses because my glasses <laughs> were falling down my
2: nose, going downhill, and it like. Flew in above my glasses, got stuck, stung me, and that was it. Like one bug attack. No bear attacks. Almost a deer attack.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That was sketch. That was sketch. We we still don't know exactly what it was, but it was probably a deer.
0: Yeah. Well, let's start out. Why in the hell would we do such a trip and then also do such a trip on a bike? Let's start there. (laughs) Let's start with
2: that question for you because what was it eight months ago i don't know if you and will had talked prior but you were like dude i really want to do a bike packing trip and i was like bikes scotty fishing let's do it like yeah dude sign me up and then he told me that you were going and i was like oh this is freaking perfect will just did a a big bike packing video fly fishing video and it's like a perfect crew yeah. But I, I want to hear your inspiration because I think it was, I mean, I think it started out as your idea.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I remember I mentioned it to you in October when we were at, when we did the short bus mm-hmm. uh, trip through Colorado and, uh, yeah, you're super into biking. I was like, Oh, that'd be sick to do. I just, i I'd, I'd been wanting to do it. I had a friend in college who had mentioned the idea like, Oh, let's do a bike packing trip somewhere up in Virginia and just bike, have all of our stuff on our packs and just ride around. And I I was into backpacking as well, and so it's like, oh, that's so cool. It's like backpacking, but you just – it's a lot more fun as we come to find out because you get a bike. Um, But I thought that would be such a cool adventure. It would be challenging, a mental challenge, physical challenge. Those weren't originally, like, the thoughts that came to my head, but I was just like, that's a cool way to explore an area on a bike, all your gear, and uh, you get to go do something like fly fishing. And so I remember I'd mentioned it to you in October of like oh it would be cool to do a bike pack and then Will and I had been talking about doing a trip like we wanted to do something this year because we did the Prairie Hoppers the uh Hopper trip last year which was sick and that was a fun way to collab and it was just fun to work with another creative like we had talked about and I thought we worked really well together. And so I I remember calling you up and we finally like we scheduled the Zoom call to talk about some ideas and what we wanted to do, probably back in January,
1: do you think? Yeah, I think it was back in January.
0: Yeah. And it's so ironic because I remember we were talking. I was like, dude, we should do a bike pack. And you're like, bro, I released a bike packing video today. <laughs> I was like, what the hell, man? Um,
1: yeah, and I The universe remember, was just speaking to you, Scotty.
0: Yeah. I remember watching it and I was like, that is so epic. The the focus of the video wasn't even on the fish. It was, you guys got to fish, you know, but there was uh, such a cool adventure element to it. So that was kind of the main draw for me is like something that was that's challenging, it's new, like a bike and uh yeah, you also get to tie in the the fly fishing element, which is great. So I was like, "Alright, boys, let's let's get the crew together." And I thought I thought the crew turned out great and we had a great great old time out there.
2: Totally. Well, will you you have the most bike packing experience, no question. What uh like how would you get into bike packing and and what were you thinking with the the trip between the three of us,
1: yeah, when I first got into bike packing, it wasn't even really called bike packing at the time. I was a teenager, I went to a summer camp in North Carolina called Mondamon, and I really that's where where I really got into mountain biking and um some of the trips we do at camp were the point of the camp was to get out of camp, so you go on different trips. With the counselors, they get different skill levels of people together. So you go on trips based on your skill level. And you had to work your way up to do the really cool trips. So by the end of the camp session, it was a six week camp session, we went out on a bike packing trip across North Carolina and brought all of our gear with us on our bikes and biked from trailhead to trailhead. So we'd go from one place to another to mountain bike. So we'd bring our gear with us, camp at the trailhead, and then go mountain biking without our gear. And then come back, load our bikes up again with our gear to go to the next spot to go mountain biking. And I didn't even really think of it as bikepacking. I was just thinking of it like, oh, we're just going to go mountain biking and camping. And like, I didn't even know I was bikepacking until now it's like this big thing to go bikepacking. So that was my very first time doing this sort of thing. And it's been, a, it's been a slow evolution because my main focus in biking in general has been mountain biking And bikepacking is just a perfect combination of mountain biking and road biking, because, um, I mean, to me, road biking can be a little mundane. You're just riding with cars whizzing by you, you know. It's a little dangerous. It's a little dangerous. It's Arguably more dangerous than mountain biking, which is funny. People think of road biking as less dangerous, but it it really is more dangerous. And when you're in, in the mountains on single track, you're under, most of the time, under your own control you're in control of what you do on the bike you're not worried about a car hitting you or something maybe a bear coming out of nowhere and getting you or a a hiker being in your way or something like that but you're in your own element so with this sort of trip you get the best of both worlds you get you know those longer days riding miles and miles on gravel where you can really just crank out and cover a lot of ground and then you also still get the single track which is where the fun part of the biking is for me um You know, it might not have been for everyone in our group, but for me, that was the absolute highlight of the trip was being high up in the alpine. It might have been the most challenging part of the trip for all of us as well, but it was also the most gratifying because even though we were covering less ground, each mile we'd go, the environment would change and you'd be higher up in the alpine and you'd go from trees to rocks and then, You know, you'd really feel like you're out there and far from everything. And you really are, too. And if something goes wrong when you're in that sort of environment, it can be catastrophic. You know, it can be the end of the trip very quickly. And there's not much option when it comes to gear failure or being rescued. And just knowing that you're in that space is something surreal that you don't really experience much in the modern world. That feeling of actually being... Um, not necessarily just in danger, but in a place where you can't make mistakes. It's like, you know, it's, it's hard to get to that place when you're just living your daily life in the city or in the real world. And, you know, everything's kind of normal. It's, it, uh, it takes you out of your element. And that's kind of what was appealing about this trip to me. It was just being taken out of my element and doing something a little bit different and unusual because I don't normally ride hardcore single track trails, with all my camping equipment and gear like most bike packing trips are done on gravel roads you know maybe a lot of some pavement um, it's it takes a lot to bring that amount of gear up high into the alpine on your bike you're pushing it a lot you're getting your ass kicked by all sorts of things like bugs and you know <laughs> <laughs> the bugs were really bad up there but you know that's being out of being out of my element was a very appealing part of this trip to me because I've done bike packing trips but the pack the bike packing itself wasn't necessarily on the single track trails. And um that ended up being my favorite part of the trip. I know Brent really enjoyed that part too. Oh yeah. So that yeah. when Scotty and well, when Scotty and Brent were on the well, sorry. When we were all on this um what's it called? The Zoom Ridge? call? Yeah. Yeah, when we were all on the Zoom call together and we started looking at routes and I saw that there was a single track portion, like that really got the wheels turning in my head. I was like, okay, this could be really sick this this is gnarly you know
0: and we had no idea like what the single track looked like except from what we could see on google maps or google earth We had no idea we had no
2: idea if it was like a black diamond or a green or what or if it's like a hiking only trail so we kind of like we took a bit of a gamble by planning our route to send it down that single track and honestly like when we were planning the trip i was looking at all these gravel roads we're planning on taking and i was like okay, so this will just be like a big road ride, essentially. That's kind of where my mind went, because I have a long history of mountain biking. And I was like, we got to do more single track. And when you guys committed to it, then I was like, oh, wait, (laughs) we're going to have 70 plus pound bikes. We're going to be like 6000 vertical feet of climbing in this is going to be real single track. And like, It's going to ride harder than it really should with an unloaded bike.
0: Yeah, because we should mention that this trip was done with all of our gear on our back. There was no drop points. There was no support vehicle. We had everything that we needed to survive on all the food we needed, all the camera gear, all the fishing gear, everything on our packs and on our bikes. We were not
2: supported at all. I mean, we got water from the rivers, I guess, that's the closest thing to support we had. We didn't have to carry all of our water, but we carried all of our food, all of our fuel, power banks for batteries, cameras, lenses, audio equipment. I mean, that was burly. <laughs> it was I did not, like, I totally underestimated how how much effort and how much gear it would take to film this correctly. And, like, you guys do a great job at filming light, but still, that is a, big commitment to bring you know full frame cameras big lenses all the gear
0: it was a grind and i i know well we should mention too that it wasn't just a zoom call like we had this was like since january of probably two maybe one or two calls a month of us getting on and like really planning stuff out and constantly texting each other about ideas and whatnot i mean we've put a lot of time into planning out this trip like, oh, yeah. Compared to a lot of the other trips that I've been on, I felt like this was very planned out. You know, obviously we didn't know exactly what we were going to get into, but we had the logistics planned out and what we needed and Will, you kept emphasizing light. Like you don't need that. We have to we have to go light. And we learned that on the the hills. <laughs> Dude, when we were oh,
2: packing, yeah. Scotty's like, "Oh, I'm going to throw this extra pair of underwear in." And Will goes,
0: whoa, dude, <laughs> two <laughs> pairs of underwear.
2: <laughs> and we're like, that's how light we had to go to, to be able to carry the camera equipment and do it right. Totally. <laughs> I true. love it.
1: Yeah, if you want to bring camera equipment, you have to make some sacrifices. You know, because camera equipment's something that's unnecessary in most bikepacking trips. So you have the luxury of bringing that pair of underwear, x of shirt. But when you're bringing, you know, a bunch of batteries, you don't, like, what's more important, filming it? Or being comfortable, obviously to me, it's filming it. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like easy choice there. I'll stink. All I don't mind if you guys smell it. Yeah, I don't <laughs> you know? care. I mean, we're smelling the same shit from ourselves. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I I think that's that's like one of the coolest parts about this trip and this kind of it's like an endurance type of event almost or activity or trip um, was just being so uncomfortable and especially on those uphill climbs, really settling in, you know, cause uh, like you guys know, I, I like to run a lot. Like that's my thing. It like helps me so much with everything I do, but usually it runs like 30 minutes to an hour. But this, we had some climbs that were four hours long of pedaling
1: uphill. Day uphill. one
0: <laughs> was four hours
2: all uphill with no breaks in between and no water. Like
0: 4,000 vert,
2: 4,000 vert, four hours in the saddle, that was a long mental grind. Yeah. And like you can tough it out for 30 minutes or an hour, but to cross over like two, three, four hours, you just have to turn the brain off and like forget that everything hurts and just yeah. kind of keep going.
0: It's like you kept saying, you're like, oh, last hill till the next one. That <laughs> <laughs> was So good.
1: Yeah, it's the last hill. <laughs> and then we
0: get to another one and
2: that's the last one until the next one <laughs>
0: um well before we get too into it brent it'd be fun to hear more about your background with mountain biking because i was definitely the like newbie on this trip i'm very new to biking and mountain biking and gravel riding obviously but you have a big a long background in mountain biking yeah yeah so what did you think Like, what's your background and what did you think when this trip kind of came about
2: All right so I grew up in the front range of Colorado. There's amazing mountain bike trails all over. And one of my first mountain biking memories was I had to been in elementary school and my dad was like, "Oh, let's go let's go mountain bike this weekend." And I'm a kid like riding around in the cul-de-sac. I'm like, "Yeah, sure, let's go ride on dirt. That sounds great." Well, he throws us in the car and drives us to the top of this like Black Diamond mountain bike trail. And he knew, like, he definitely knew we were going to struggle our way down it. But he just let us go, you know, 10, 20 feet at a time, 100 feet at a time. And so I grew up riding single track. And that's what I love to do. And I'd say outside of fishing, that is my next biggest hobby. And uh, so I was like, oh, cool, let's go mountain bike. Like, bikepacking, perfect. I didn't, I've never done much gravel, never been interested in road riding. But this was a way for me to say like okay it's all right to ride a gravel road you can still find the fun in it so i really liked it because it kind of toned it back for me uh versus just riding down the gnarliest rockiest thing you can find yeah (laughs) so it was great and then you know riding i'm sure you guys have seen the bikes by now like we were on skinny tires fully rigid loaded down will had some fatter tires but that added a huge challenge to the single track i mean the skinny tires and really steep geometry were making it challenging from for what I'm used to.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The drop bars. Yeah, <laughs> I hopped on Brent's bike for maybe a hundred yards and almost fell twice. <laughs> I couldn't believe he was riding the same trails on that bike. It, it was, was terrifying.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Let's get a quick breakdown of each of our bikes
0: so we can we can share what what each. I'll little, go each first since like. we're on it.
2: I. We were trying to get a bike sponsor for this trip, and we thought it was going to happen a couple times and just never ended up working out. So I kept waiting and waiting, thinking we're going to find a bike sponsor. And then two weeks before the trip, I'm like, okay, well, it's not going to happen. I need to find a bike. Well, I had a trade show, so I was, like, working the whole week before, and I couldn't – I didn't have time to find a bike. So I asked my brother. I was like, dude, I got to get a gravel bike to <laughs> to this town where we're launching out of can you find one for me? And he, he found one at this bike shop and their version of a gravel bike is a road bike with knobby tires that are still (laughs) like 35 millimeters wide. (laughs) So basically a road bike had a little bit of tread on the tires, but that's
0: it. So pretty, pretty basic road bike for me. And i thought my tires were skinny and then we got your <laughs> bike i'm glad you're obviously really experienced and could ride that no problem but uh, it was a challenge for sure <laughs> and then and then will's bike what you got like three and a half inch yeah, tires it's probably the
1: exact opposite of brent's bike <laughs> yeah three inch tires it's kind of an old school mountain bike build it's These days they're called a clunker. It's like a thing now like to have a clunker, but it's not really a clunker. It's a very expensive clunker. (laughs) Um, But burly frame, full rigid, no suspension, um, but can handle full-on mountain biking, loaded down, beefy. Probably the ideal bike for this trip. Could have run a little bit smaller of a tire for the gravel and the road stuff. I definitely felt some resistance these two guys were flying little bit far ahead during those sections but as soon as we hit flying. that track yeah i mean <laughs> you guys you're good i was i was pretty impressed with especially scotty's performance with very little biking background you're runner so you have the cardio and you're able to pedal that bike pretty well dude you're you're definitely not only keeping up but i was keeping up with you on certain sections so yeah i appreciate hats it off to you man yeah mad
2: props scotty you yeah that was an unbelievable performance, dude. With very, very limited mountain bike experience, you
0: crushed it. Thanks. I'm actually really glad I got to because I knew we were having had this trip, so I knew you know I back in whenever we started talking about it, I was like I have to get in good shape for this, and so I was obviously running a lot, ripping the Peloton a little bit in Adam's basement <laughs> when I was living there, and then uh, I obviously got this gravel bike used, and in probably february or march just to like ride around town and and whatnot which it i got a good deal on it and it's worked out so far but i started doing some mountain biking with some friends in salt lake like single track stuff with full suspension and i was like this is so sick it's it was so similar to skiing the 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 feeling and like the adrenaline and the rush and all that and i loved it so i think if i hadn't done any mountain biking any single track like that i would have really struggled on, on the downhill, <laughs> I can't imagine. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think the running and just being in decent cardio shape really helped on those uphills, the climbs. Like that was really tough, but the cardio felt decent enough to like get it done. And then it, at that point, it was just a mental grind. It was like <laughs> I just see, I just keep seeing Brent go. I'm like I can't stop now. <laughs> I gotta keep going.
2: <laughs> Tell us about how the legs were feeling first day, because oh, running God. and cardio is one thing, but having the bike legs is a totally other thing
0: i mean so we climbed 4000 vert to the the top and we had a nice downhill and that was obviously just it was a constant pedal for four hours or however long it was and yeah i mean it's very different to running because it's it's isolated to your your legs so my legs are just on fire the whole time and even on the downhill i wanted to stand up but i couldn't i was like this is gonna be bad And uh, then we got to the bottom, I remember, of the hill, which, that was an amazing downhill. Such a, a, right before Golden Hour, right at Golden Hour. And we had then 12 miles of not flat trail slash road up to uh, our campsite. And that's when I started cramping. And my legs are just getting shaky and everything. And it was, it was like time to, to stop but it was, I mean, I got to, I got to find my limit at least that first day. And, uh, yeah, I was, it I was hurting. That's for sure.
2: That's awesome, man.
0: <laughs> um, but to, to, you know, wrap all that up, I, I was definitely hurting, um, on the first day, but it, honestly, I, I felt, I felt better than I, I don't know. I didn't really have many ex- expectations of how I was going to feel because I knew it was probably going to suck, but I didn't know how much it was going to suck.
2: You know what I mean? that was my first like two hour plus in the saddle climb of the year and man i'd never remember how bad it hurts like my legs were so dead day one (laughs)
1: yeah after day one that's when i started feeling it on the second big climb of the trip we start we didn't start till late in the day we we fished hard we didn't want to stop fishing so we fish and fish and fish were like okay now we need to just pedal And these two guys were ready to get after it. And I did not. (laughs) I wasn't looking at the maps with them. I was just kind of chilling and la-la land and like, okay, we're going to go pedal. And they just shoot up this hill. I'm like, all right, let's do this. We can do this. And then at a certain point, the sun was down. It was pitch black dark. It was 10 p.m. And I just needed to freaking eat food and stop pedaling. Because at this point, we didn't know how much food we were actually going to need on our trip. We had enough food for the trip, but we didn't necessarily know exactly how to budget it yet so we were going very light on what we were eating like three bars a day
2: two oatmeals two oat three meals. bars and one mountain house a day is what we budgeted and then we carried like a few extras like emergency we get,
0: extras we yeah. get like a slice of sausage in yeah. the midday we're like oh it's so good <laughs> so good
1: yeah, at this point we were really budgeting our food and you know i was cer- certainly feeling the lack of food coming straight from being in humanity, eating as much food as you want, you can go anywhere and, and get a meal when you're hungry. And we didn't have that option and that luxury. So I think what I realized that day was like how important it was to keep up with your calories and manage that. And that really started to come into play second, third day of the trip is managing our food intake and making sure that on the days that we have the big climbs that we're intaking more calories the days that we're fishing more, maybe go a little bit lighter on the calories. And that was something I definitely learned a lot about on this trip.
0: Yeah, and I think on that <clears throat> second night when we climbed, uh, there was definitely some miscommunication between all of us, which we figured out later. I was like, all right, right, we're." I think you and I both thought that we were just going to stop at some campsite just up the road. Yeah. <laughs> and then at a certain point, Brett and I are biking next to each other, and we're like, dude, let's just fucking go all the way. Let's just get all the way to the top tonight because it started getting dark. And there there was something that just switched. It was, you know, it was for maybe 30 minutes to an hour, it was just hell, like biking up those hills because they were really steep. We and thought it, we
2: were going to get eaten by bears. Yeah. We were like,
0: screw this. Let's stop. And yeah. then your, your switch. <laughs> it, yeah, the switch just went off. And uh, it was like, all right, we're in it. We're just, we're going until we get there. And I, and Brett and I were in that mindset because I thought for some reason I thought that you guys were the ones that were like, no, let's get to the top <laughs> and then well well you were like dude, let's We need to stop. I'm dying. (laughs) Dude, I thought from the beginning that you were,
2: like, dead committed to making it to the top.
1: I was. And then I changed my mind.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And then we dragged you up, like, the next two hours. (laughs) Then you saw the hills.
1: (laughs) You're like, oh, Will, you're going to kick our asses this trip. And then day two, I'm getting my ass kicked by you guys. (laughs) But it's a long game. It's a long game. Yeah. You got to keep that energy flowing for seven days straight. And that's the hardest part is maintaining and setting the pace and keeping that pace all the way through because if you fire off all your energy the first couple days then the last couple the last two days you're really going to struggle so it's about you know managing your calories and how much energy you're exerting and i have my whoop device that shows me my recovery every day and that really helps me manage um you know how hard i'm exerting and and managing your sleep and that's another thing it's easy to overlook is how much sleep you're getting So we would would talk about getting up super early to fish and end up sleeping until like 8 a.m. Yeah. (laughs) Wouldn't leave camp till 11. So we ended up fishing midday through like 5 p.m. and don't start pedaling hard until like dinner time. And then we're pedaling into the nighttime almost every day, which is great because that's the best temperatures outside to be pedaling in. It's early Mm -hmm. in the morning and later in the day. So, yeah, it was ideal.
2: Do we want to talk about how, you know, you mentioned we get up at 8 and don't leave camp until 11. That was one thing I really enjoyed about this trip, and I really enjoy about river trips as well, is the simple tasks that you have to do every day. Like at home, your simple tasks are, okay, i got to brush my teeth, make a coffee, maybe make breakfast, and then I go. Well, no, every day here you have to set up your hammock, blow up your sleeping pad, pull out your sleeping bag, tear all that down, then I got to start a fire, boil water, you know, cook my mountain house meal. Like the small mundane tasks take two hours, which normal morning you can do that in 30 minutes. So how did you guys feel about all the, the tasks every morning and every evening when you think your day is done? We're done pedaling. We're done suffering. Oh, wait, I got like another hour to set up camp, cook my food. Yeah,
1: yeah. at a certain point, it sort of turned into a rhythm because we got in the groove of it. And, you know, something I've learned from trips like this is make sure every little piece of gear has its home. So when you pack your bike away, you know exactly where everything is. You don't have to dig around searching for that spoon or that little bag of oatmeal or whatever it is. It's all in its exact place. So when you get to camp, you know where to grab stuff, set it up, And then when you pack it back in your bike, it's just super easy. You don't even have to think about it while you're doing it. And it was really cool getting into that rhythm because after the first day or two, you're in the zone and everything kind of just falls into place. And you know it takes time, but it's still like easy enough where you can chill. You can talk to your buddies and hang out and you're just kind of doing things. Then before you know it, you're conked out, waking up again the next morning, starting another fire getting warm, making some coffee. And it's those little things like making coffee that are a little bit more enjoyable when you're out there and you're unsupported. Um, You just, you savor those moments, just that little bit more on a trip like this. And even though it might seem a little mundane, it's like you, it's, it's, it's more gratifying because you earn it. And that's a huge part about, um, you know, bikepacking and backpacking is earning your food, and you finally make it to camp and you get to eat dinner. It's not like you're just driving around you just run through a drive-thru and eat. You don't really earn it.
0: Or it's like, I'm hungry now. I'm going to eat my sandwich. Like, no, we have to get 12 more miles down the road, then set up camp, then we can eat. Then
1: find a water source to get water (laughs) Yeah. so we can actually put water in our food to eat it. Yeah. It's like, yeah, dude, it's a lot.
0: I didn't realize, I mean, it felt like we were just going the whole week. You know, because it does take so much time to break camp, pack your bike again, which goes back to, like, the organization thing. Like, the importance of being organized and knowing where everything should be. Um, Sorry about a car car shop. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I think you kind of do appreciate the little things, like, the little luxuries that you have at home you don't think about like, every morning it's just like oh i got to break camp got to roll my sleeping bag up like it's a little bit annoying every morning but you just do it and you just get it done and then you're off yep and so now going back i mean we haven't really gotten back to civilization fully but mm-hmm. hopefully we've already we'll... eaten
1: donuts we've already eaten pizza we're we're kind of back <laughs> yeah <Yep>. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the one thing i th- like mentally that i notice about the mundane tasks every day of tearing down camp and resetting up camp I think it's a great way for you to like, you're you're not really having to think too hard about taking your sleeping bag out or blow up your sleeping pad or whatever it might be. But it's a great way for you to take all the thoughts in your mind throughout the day and package them up neatly and store them in your brain. Like s- instead of getting home from work or whatever, sitting on the couch and watching TV, you're you're getting more stimulus through TV or on your phone or whatever setting up camp doing that mundane mindless task lets your mind clear its RAM out, box it away, file the, you know, file all the the memories for the day. And it really helps you clear your mind and then you're ready to go have a great night's sleep and you're not all restless and spun up from the day.
0: Yeah. I think that's something that you've talked about, uh, with me, which is really interesting. Is talking about bandwidth, mm-hmm. um, and RAM for, uh, people and just your workflow or anything uh but yeah it'd be interesting to hear a little more like your your th- your thought process behind that because that's helped me out a lot with understanding like oh we only have so much bandwidth or talking about clearing ram like it's a computer term you know mm-hmm. we use for filming or whatever in computers but you don't really think about that for yourself
2: yeah yeah i mean i guess the the easiest way that i that i think about it is uh, one example, I forget what book it's from, but basically, they say that you can have like about 150 meaningful relationships in your life. So if you have space for 150 friends, well, just use the 150 as space in your brain. You could use that as like a work acquaintance, a close friend, or someone you met at the drive-through. Well, if you're constantly thinking. About little parts of each hundred and fifty relationships your your operating bandwidth like your daily bandwidth is gonna be so full that you can't you don't have room to say hi to the person at the drive through because you're thinking about the hundred and fifty other friends you already have, but if you can box that up, like your thoughts from "Oh, I was just hanging out with Joe over there, box that up, store it somewhere that you you can go back and remember. Then you have time to say hi to the person at the drive through and have a more meaningful interaction with them. So, I guess it's basically just like filing your thoughts and organizing them more. But since we have so much stimulus between our phones, with Instagram, our TV, you know, your hobbies at night, if you're editing photos or video, we're like, we constantly have huge stimulus. We never have time to organize our files or our memories in our brain. So, that's why you know the mundane tasks just work so well you got you got time during the day to just sift through your thoughts box them up to what they mean and store them off somewhere you can remember them so that's like over the past year I've kind of started thinking about it more like that and spending a little bit of time just sitting at home vegging out not watching tv doing nothing and it it helps me like feel more free and I can interact with the new person walking down the street or whatever in a more meaningful way. Yeah. And for my job, oh my gosh. I I had to find a way, otherwise talking to all these shop owners, I'd be like, Wait,
0: too many people I like way over my one fifty threshold. Yeah. You kinda so. need a trip like this. <clears throat> you know, I, I think I mentioned that to you all, like I need something like this every year, once or twice a year to kinda yeah, clear the ram or just gives you an excuse to not be flooded by stimuli for extended periods of time which is very hard nowadays it's becoming harder and harder for all of us to get away from that and be okay with boredom or be okay with just like sitting down rolling up your sleeping bag like sitting in your hammock at night and just being like well i hope a bear doesn't come (laughs) you know
1: just talking face to face with another human because so many interactions now are virtual and texting and talking and zoom calls and just like hanging out and shooting the shit and you don't have the option to go on your phone you know it's 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 sad to say but in our modern day it's hard to just simplify and just live you know just be and there's very there's something very special about that and you know especially when we're out on the single track far away from the roads and you couldn't hear any cars couldn't hear any voices from other people. All you could hear is the buzzing of those mosquitoes in your ear, <laughs> a bunch of little drones. Yeah, I thought, about, I
0: thought there were a bunch of drones up there flying around, <laughs> right outside my Eno. It's like wrapped and like, oh, am I gonna get attacked? <laughs> One slips in and you're like, Damn it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really hard to escape how busy regular life is, and I think that kind of connects back to what you're saying about you know our, our regular daily tasks. But those things are more enjoyable when you're not stimulated by other things because there's no overload of information when you don't have access to your phone and, you know, advertisements and TV. Like, your brain is ready to take on information when we're out there doing this sort of thing, just pedaling all day. There's not tons of stimulation. So when you have, you know, little tasks to complete, it's like, okay, cool, I get to do this. It's like a little bit of you know brain activity that I get to engage in and I don't know it makes those things a lot more enjoyable um you know I like gear a lot and it's fun to tinker with things so I I love getting like my hammock all perfectly set up <laughs> yeah. and like getting the coffee all dialed in and you know get the jet boil running it's fun tinkering with stuff and you know those little tasks are always a lot more fun when you're out in the wild and you know that it's going to result in either comfort or sleep or caffeine, you know, or a full belly. Yes. It's great.
0: Dude, like how good did it feel that first night? We did 38 miles and then we showed up at camp right next to the river. Like how good did that feel? Oh, <laughs> that man. So good. Have you ever enjoyed a mountain house meal more?
2: Never. <laughs> Never in my life. <laughs> it was like the greatest, most flavorful satisfying thing ever was eating that mountain house and normally i think like oh god i gotta eat a mountain house meal yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah jumping in the so. creek that was amazing it felt so good to like rinse off yeah it's all those little things like just even laying down in your hammock finally was just oh thank god yeah. yep. I'm good you can rest and, and all it took up. was four hours of suffering yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's all it took. That's true. Well, I think one of the themes that we wanted to, something we wanted to get out of this trip was, I know I introduced uh, that book to you, Essentialism, but I guess both of you guys, which I th- recommend anyone read. It's a really, really good good book. But it just talks about, like, simplifying and, and basically figuring out the, th- the few things that you can do really well and then just honing in on that. And I feel like this was a good way for us to simplify our camera gear, simplify our fishing gear, because we have, we, you know, we work in the fly fishing world. So we have all this gear and all this filming gear and just too much gear. Right. And you, when you actually look at a trip like this and you say, Oh, I don't even need half of this stuff. You know, I, I only need a very small fraction of it. I need a couple flies. I need some tippet, some floating and my fly rod and reel. Like that's literally all you need. And maybe some, maybe some hatch nippers. But. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we,
1: we brought four rods we only really used two. Yeah. Yep. Well, we used a third rod, but didn't really catch much. So. Yep.
2: <laughs> yeah. So that's a, I, I love that point about simplifying gear. And I think most people in their early fly fishing days get caught up in wanting more gear. Like I want a four weight, I want a six weight, I want a eight weight, I want all these different things. But this trip really shows you how important it is to have the right gear. Like you could just cast a wide net and have, you know, if you're only fishing out of your truck, sure. You could bring a dozen rods if you have a dozen rods, but if you pick the the right tools and get the good ones that aren't going to fail on you, this is when it really matters because you have that limited space. And, you know, we brought too many flies. Even we could have honed down and like, Really only picked the the best flies instead of, Oh, I want more flies, like we had a good idea of what flies they're going to eat, so i don't know I just like, I think it's cool for us to have higher consequences for making the wrong gear choices, mm-hmm. so it really makes you appreciate the good gear you have, and it really points out the gear that doesn't quite work, and we didn't really have
0: much gear failure. it was great. You can kind of enjoy it more too with less gear like there's something really. Rewarding or just satisfying about walking down to the river with one parachute Adams on, and that's it. That was my fly. It's like if I get caught in the tree, well, I have to walk back up to the bike and grab my fly box. <laughs> but just having that, and it's like this is, this is the fly I'm using to catch the fish. If it doesn't work, oh well. And I don't know. I loved that about it because it's just so simple. Like cutthroat are fun to to fish for because they kind of fit into that where it's, you don't need to get super super techy, but, you know, and you don't. I don't know. Did we fish anything under 4X? No. (laughs) I don't even know what tip we were using.
1: (laughs) 3X, 4X, that's it. It was awesome.
0: It was so good.
1: Yeah, and anything you bring that you don't end up needing, and this is why gear choice is so important with a trip like this, is it's just going to be dead weight. Every bit of uphill you have, it's just holding you back. So you have to be really careful about what you bring because if like there's a couple pieces of gear that I brought that on the very last day of the trip I still hadn't used up until that point and I just had to use it to justify bringing it because otherwise it was just dead weight that entire time like it just sat in my bike took up space held me back on the climbs the only way it helped was on the downhills by adding fort uh, adding inertia (laughs) so that's the only benefit (laughs) yeah it's not worth it (laughs) not worth it and those
0: are free miles anyways (laughs) yeah oh man so we
2: got through day 2 basically. Then we we climbed into the night. We thought Will wanted to go all the way to the top. Halfway up Will was over it and Scotty <laughs> and I were like, "Oh yeah, dude, we're going for it." <laughs> so we made it up there and then then after after that brutal night climbing way way into the night, we we got up to the the start of the single track.
1: Well, that was night. That was the third climb. That was the third climb. Yeah. No, we got up to the pass, and then we rode down. Back, we rode back down again. We had another big downhill Mm -hmm. to the headwaters of the river.
2: Oh yeah, we we got some awesome cutty fishing on chubbies and all that stuff. I mean, I was dead to the world that day. Like I was cooked. (laughs) <laughs> so I chilled out quite a bit of the day and sat on the bank and watched you guys fish. What, what yeah, was your favorite part about that? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. That yeah, was fun. I mean, it was where we had fished the first day. It was a much bigger section of the river, and uh you know, it was a little maybe trickier to wade. It wasn't that bad, but it's just the fish are a little more spread out. Whereas the small water, that's definitely like. What I grew up fishing. I love fishing, is that smaller stuff that still has some deep holes, but it's isolated. Like you you have the runs and they're very, like you know, where to fish and you know how to fish them. So I, I really liked that day. It was fun to, you know, kind of tight quarter stuff with some, some cuts and everything and just go down that trail, which we ended up hiking like three miles that day or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was cool getting away from the road and fishing some water that felt less less touched. You know, when we first got onto that river, all you saw was these two little trickles coming in. It didn't even look like much, but you walked downstream, and then another little trickle comes in, and then half a mile down, it turned into a river right from where we parked the bike. So it was a little surprising to me to see how, like, within less than half a mile, the river went from three little trickles into an actual stream that we could fish. I'm sure the other ones fished, but the, the, the quality of that stream was surprising to me. I was blown away really good cutthroat water
0: yeah it was fun to work as we worked up towards the ridge line we got to fish different sections of the river and uh go from like the bottom you know to the headwaters and there was definitely sections that we didn't get to fish that looked so good but we had to keep pedaling and that kind of leads into that third day when we we woke up and then we would fish that day and pedaled to get to the ridge line and that climb was brutal i remember at the end i was personally i was cooked like yeah that was was that your low point do you think Man, i don't know there's a couple low points (laughs) i feel like every day had a low point but
2: that was rough but we got up there and then we got up there right at sunset to the top of the climb we knew we were making camp right there right before the single track started Mm -hmm. we got the milky way was we could see that right out of our hammocks it was beautiful and we knew we were in for, like, the real special alpine experience the next day. That felt awesome to be at, at the beginning of the single track. We knew that we were going to change pace on the fishing a bit and go fish a lake instead of the the rivers. What would you guys think about the start of the single track? Because we didn't go but two miles until we saw the lake. Mm-hmm. And then we realized... Oh man, it's a big day to go down to the lake and get
0: back out of there. We were so excited, we're like, let's just go. <laughs> yeah, that was a fun day. That was a really fun day. We got we basically didn't know again, didn't know what to expect on the single track. So we just started biking for maybe a hundred yards and then we realized it was gonna be a hiking bike. <laughs> so I remember we just pushed our bikes up, probably ended up being like a mile total that we did and got to the lake and what was it, four hundred vert? Drop, so four hundred vert down, down yep. four hundred feet back up, but over half well, we a mile. We stood there
1: for a while. We didn't even know if there were fish in the lake. Like we were looking at it, and from four hundred vertical feet away, trying to decipher if there were actual fish in the lake. So we sat there for maybe twenty minutes, just like pondering: Do we go down there? Do we not? Are there fish? And Brent sa- said he saw a couple fish rise. Then I might have seen one. And then eventually made the call that it was our best option. And to our surprise, there are actually fish in the lake. So don't want to burgues. ruin it for you, but it's, yeah. Yeah,
0: hopefully you've seen the film already, because there's going to be spoilers to all throughout this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that was a def- definitely a different change of pace. You know, I mean, going down to fish a lake, I don't have a ton of lake fishing experience. You know, I mean, th- these fish by no means were difficult to catch. But we love brookie fishing for that reason. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They also don't see many people. There wasn't even there wasn't even a hiking trail. Like the research that we did about this lake, there was no information about this lake in particular. There's a chain of lakes, three lakes, three lakes. And this was the top one. And we didn't even know if there were gonna be fish or whatever.
2: There was the last stocking report was for the lake below it. And that was from 1959. Yeah. <laughs> so there's no record of this lake ever being stocked. We figured more than likely one year the water had got high enough that the fish could run up from Lake 2 into Lake 3. But there was no guarantees. So we're going off of like, oh, yeah, I think I saw a ripple down there, a rise, <laughs> way 400 feet down there. I think I saw that. Yeah. We're going to hike our happy asses down there and go try and catch them. <laughs> We caught him, dude. That was awesome.
1: Sweet. It was nice. The trail popped out right to where the fish were, too. We didn't really have to go far. As soon as we got there, we saw fish cruising around. You throw your dry fly out there, they look at it, they don't eat it, just start stripping your dry fly, then they'll come (laughs) back around and (laughs) eat it. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And then ended the day there with a little catch and cook, which was so fun and just like, it was so rewarding to eat, too. Because like, we've been eating mountain house meals, but they have actual protein and actually catch the fish, it kind of gives you a different perspective on the catch-and-cook catch and, catch and cook type of deal. Because nope. I think there's just such a thing in the fly world of catch-and-release, catch-and-release, which should be emphasized for certain fish. But, you know, we're like, brookies are invasive. There's a shit ton of them in this lake. Mm-hmm. It's okay if we can – it's legal – it's encouraged to keep them at this lake. Yeah. So we can go ahead and keep a, keep a few, you know.
2: Right. It's not like we're – you know, on the Missouri or Deckers, where there is thousands of fishermen a day and not that many fish in the river, like we were probably the first people to fish that that week or or longer. Yeah. So,
1: and sometimes it, with, in the case with lakes, if you take some of the population out and have less fish, they'll get bigger. So, if you have if you put a ton of fish into a lake and it, it caps how big the fish can actually get. So sometimes, by taking fish out of a lake system, um it actually encourages growth of larger fish, so
2: but it's all case by case, so make sure you're doing your research before you head out there because we did plenty of research on this and knew what the the regulations were where we were going. We just yeah. didn't know if there was going to be any fish there,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah, we crushed some brookies, incredible, really oh enjoyed gosh. that meal, and then hiked back to the bikes, and that's where like the real challenge started. I felt like.
2: Yeah, it had been building like day one, 4,000 foot climb, huge day. Day two, another big day in the saddle. We like felt like it was harder than day one. And then day three, which is really when we started the single track after the lake. We didn't know it yet, but that was going to be the hero push of the trip. I mean, it was building and building until we got to this single track. And then it just hit us again.
0: (laughs) More and more difficult. That was such a sick ride, though. Like, thinking back, just how, how hard it was, at least for me personally, I really struggled on that trail. And just, like, the balance side of things, and I kept falling. My I had to re-rig my bike because of some gear failure, and so all my weight was in the back, and it was just, it was a grind. And so I was, like, trying to push the bike uphill, and then it would tip over, and I'd fall, and, like, I fell off the trail a couple times. I was getting my shit rocked. And, like, I think I told y'all that, that was the closest I was to, like, a breaking point where I was, like, really about to lose it. But it was really encouraging to have you guys right there. Like, I didn't feel like I had to – like, you guys were always encouraging me, even if I was behind, like, keep up. Or you'd go behind me, which made me feel better about sure. continuing or pushing and kind of help me push over some rocks or some logs. And that helped. Yep. And that's, like, another thing. that The team aspect of it was so – enjoyable you know it really felt like this could have been a completely different trip a completely different experience for all of us if there was you know a negative nancy in the group that was like or if there's someone talking shit you know we were all just like encouraging each other and very understanding of where everyone was at so i appreciate that from you guys
1: Yeah, yeah team of three is is good because when one person's feeling down the other two can carry some of the weight you know and encourage each other to keep pushing and Yeah, especially on that mountain bike trail, like, you guys are riding a technical mountain bike trail on bikes that aren't mountain bikes, and on top of that, they're loaded down with, like, 70 pounds of gear. So, I think we were all aware of that, and because we knew that, like, it wasn't a right situation, we just knew that we had to push through no matter what. (laughs) Like, that was our only option, was to just keep going, so... What do you do when you have one option? You you just take that option and you run with it. Yep. So.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. I mean, I, I felt like the mountain biker in the two of us was just on cloud nine on that, that ridgeline single track. That is just my happy place. We We had these amazing views. It was golden hour, this beautiful light, awesome single track. I wish we had a different bike for it, but <laughs> we had a bike nonetheless. And so, you and I had like the extra mental space to say, "All right, Scotty, you're freaking hurting right now let's let's help Scotty up here, and like like you said i we felt like you were kind of going a little a little to the dark side, <laughs> but as soon as we we crested one more ridge and we thought maybe we'd have some reprieve, we weren't gonna be climbing as much, we turned the corner and oh shoot it just gets steeper more exposed and rockier dude i i have the we filmed the your reaction to turning that corner how are you feeling then because that was right before your or was it right after where you were like you had crashed off the trail once and got really spooked and like we're feeling the grind
0: yeah well i fell like six feet off the trail my like you know tried to step down there was no step (laughs) and it just fell off the trail which was really exposed bike came down hit me in the head like luckily I had my helmet on and it was just kind of spooky it kind of woke me up I was like damn this is real then I fell again behind you guys when y'all were way ahead and I had to just freaking pull my bike up and I was super pissed at that point that that was my lowest point of like and I was just mad I think I was just mad at myself you know I was like 'Cause you just you wanna get through it. You wanna I wanted to keep up with you guys or whatever. Um but yeah, then I turned that corner, get caught up with you, and you pointed out the next little rock scramble up to the top. <laughs> I was like, Are you kidding me, dude?
2: <laughs> dude, as you were riding up to me before you could see around the corner, your the words that came out of your mouth were I'm so done with this shit, dude. <laughs> and, like, your head was still hanging. You're pushing up to get to the corner. I'm so done with this shit. And I was like, oh, good, because there's not much riding left. Look, we're going to be pushing for the next mile. <laughs> and, dude, the, the soul just got sucked out of
0: Will's, like, halfway up already. Like, oh, damn. It. Yeah, sorry, bro. I, I couldn't help
1: myself. I was just on cloud nine. No, dude,
0: no. And that's what's so cool is I'm glad that you guys like enjoy. I enjoyed it a lot. And I think it really showed me, like, my limit and how much I can really push. You know, whereas maybe typically if I was doing that on my own, I just probably would have stopped. and been like, oh, you know, I probably can't. Or think to myself, I can't do that. But actually going through it and pushing through it, like, damn, we freaking grinded it out. It sucked, but we grinded
2: it out. Dude, every point when you thought it couldn't get worse, it did. And guess what? You still, like, crushed right through it. It was really cool to watch your, like watch you take that big swallow, turn the mental gear up one more, <laughs> and keep trucking through. It was awesome, man. Yeah, Like, the the whole group experience was sweet up there because we were all just getting beat down. <laughs>
1: yeah, not to mention the bugs. I have to say again, time we stopped, it was so bad that we had to keep moving. And It was almost worse to stop and relax than it was to just keep moving and feel the muscle pain. I would rather feel the muscle pain than the being eaten alive. Yeah, any day.
2: Totally, just kept us going.
1: Just kept us going, and then we pushed through the night. We put on our headlamps and rode a really technical downhill that was almost as technical as the uphill, but in the dark. These guys on their road bikes, Scotty's bike's kind of in between, but mostly a road bike. Yours is definitely a road bike, <laughs> and we're going downhill. On rocks in the night with four hundred lumen headlamps. That's <laughs> it. I could barely even see you because your headlamp was so dim. I was like, "Where? Where's Brent?" Oh, there he is. It's crazy, dude. Oh, and it was man.
0: spooky. I was leading for a little bit, and it was spooky uh, biking at night because, and we kept yelling, "Hey, bear! Hey, we're just making a bunch of noise because you don't know over the next turn if there's gonna be a bear or a moose or something on the trail." Nope. Yep. It's pitch black, and you only have your headlamp, and I don't know. That was that was that probably almost took the mental side of like being you know being like oh this sucks it kind of like took takes that away a little bit because you're kind of in survival mode of like you're alert looking
1: for bears looking for whatever looking for where the trail is like at that point the trail had kind of petered out and we were in an area of the trail that had a lot less traffic than where we started because we were kind of past the lakes at that point and you know other anglers and people are going up there to fish the lake so we're past them at this point No more lakes to fish, so there's not much of a trail. So on our maps, it was marked as a trail, but when you look around, it was hard to even find, and it was in the dark. So for the last five or six miles of our night ride, we were riding over trail that didn't really look like trail, like kind of questioning, are we even going the right direction? (laughs) And it was sketchy, and that's what made it fun because it was like these are those real situations that you put yourself in by going out in these environments and it's kind of what we live for man is getting out there and being in those uncomfortable situations and pushing your personal limits and that and we succeeded in achieving pushing our personal limits for all of us like no matter who's the strongest and who's the weakest we all had our limits pushed at that point of the day absolutely
2: it's cool the mental space you get to get in like every decision you make when you're that far in the backcountry could be very very dangerous or leading you towards a little more of success like it's very black and white Mm -hmm. if i make this decision that's putting me in a lot of risk or i have to be very very careful not to make one wrong decision to keep me going towards the end goal like the leeway is much tighter it's much smaller so it's it's fun being on that high level of decision making or having to be at that high level of decision making i
0: I enjoy that part of it a lot. Yeah. It's a lot different than a typical fishing trip too, you know, and that that it was, this whole trip was very contradictory to a traditional fishing trip Yep. where it is maybe more so about lounging out, relaxing, hanging out with the boys, drinking some beer. Like this was an endurance challenge, physical and mental challenge. And then when we were done with our challenge, we could fish a little bit, you know, and we, we didn't fish that much. Relative right. to how much time we were out there, but it it made that little bit of time that we did get to fish like so much more exciting. Yeah, you know, it just it felt like we earned that fishing. Exactly. More yeah. so,
2: I enjoyed a twelve-inch fish eating a small dry fly way more than I ever would. Like normally, I'm not a big fish guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll admit it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> normally that doesn't do it for me. But like in that setting, it was really really special. So it doesn't, I mean, how off, how else are you going to get to that place where every little interaction is that special without pushing back and suffering a bit? So super, super enjoyable to me.
1: I think what you just said really carries some weight. You know, the fact that the things that are normally not exciting and make you happy and fulfilling, make you more happy and fulfilling the, the little fish, the coffee, the the, the the bar, the one bar you eat at the top of the climb. Bob's like the, <laughs> Bob's Bob's Bobo's, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it, it, it's so cool how it makes, it almost makes life better and more engaging overall. When you, when you put yourself in these situations, cause I don't know, it changes your perspective on things. It makes almost everything better. It's weird. It's harder and it's more challenging in the moment, but it makes things better. It's, it's hard to explain until you actually experience it.
2: Yeah. Well, at, well, when you're sitting at home and you're you're on the computer, you're on Instagram, you're always like, I want this new camera, this new fishing rod, you name it. I want, 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 want. And there's always something better. Well, when you're back there and you have no option, that bar is the best. Or that small fish is the best. So, like, there's no more to want you you've got what you've got the end goal there so it, it's a good refresh on like what's actually important like what actually makes you happy you know we have of course we all have things that aren't that important but yeah <laughs> you of course. Know, when you're when you're back there it does kind of reset you a little bit and say okay this does make me happy and maybe now when i go back to the real world i'll be a little more thankful for the little things than always wanting the next best thing so good little refresh for the brain Mm
0: -hmm. i don't think it's always it doesn't always have to be a like extraordinary light bulb moment of coming out of the backcountry and your life's just going to be completely different it's like the more you do that you learn like you learn the little lessons and little things each time that hopefully can help you build into your own life to be a little bit better, like challenging yourself every single day, you know, something like the biking, like appreciating those little moments. We did that because we were challenging ourselves. Uh, there's a bug. We are challenging ourselves. And so like when you go back into normal life, it's like, Oh, maybe I'm gonna go a little harder on that run today so I can earn that coffee that I'm about to drink or I don't know, whatever it is. Maybe you're going to work a little bit longer, a little more focused for something, but just kind of stress the importance um, uh, yeah,
1: just challenging yourself and what that can do for everything else. Hardship is really healthy for the mind and for your body. Yeah, It's something that you want to avoid. Like, you don't want... you Like, human nature is to avoid doing things that are hard and put you in tough situations. It's like, oh, that's going to put me in a tough situation. I'm going to avoid that. It's the easy decision to make. Like, oh, I'm going to steer away from that. But when you put yourself in those situations actively, it yeah it changes your perspective on things and you you go through that hardship and you and you appreciate everything a lot more because you you know how adverse that situation actually is and you experience it you experience that adversity and yeah I think that's really healthy and I think everyone should put themselves in more situations where they experience hardship and adversity because if you're you don't realize what you're missing out on until you do it, you know? Yeah, totally.
0: Well, I obviously talked about some of the things that challenged me on the (laughs) trip, but what, what was y'all's maybe most challenging point or your low point on, on the trip that like really was, I don't know, the most challenging part.
2: You want to take it?
1: I I think you have something on your mind.
2: (laughs) I, this is total spoiled hardship right here, but, Day one was the toughest for me because I had to accept that I was riding this bike. I ride super fancy bikes, and I'm like (laughs) the most prissy little boy about my bikes. And I had to just accept that, like, I'm riding this rental bike. It's a road bike. It's got the wrong tires, the wrong gearing. Like, I just hated that bike to begin with. And we had 4,000 feet to go up, and there was no stopping. The gears were too hard, so my like I had to pedal way too fast. And it was just, that was the worst day for me mentally, because I was like, I'm going to have to ride this bike for the next six days. So stupid, but, like, that was probably it for me. But I, I think, like, I also was learning how to lean on to you guys to get comfort when we're all suffering. So maybe day two or three was physically harder than day one but I had learned to lean on you guys and forget about the the discomfort so for me that was it just like all right dude this is the gear you got you got to run it you didn't you didn't plan that part of the gear well enough so deal with it
1: (laughs) Yep, accepting responsibility for your own actions man and that (laughs) that's that was my lowest point of the trip it wasn't necessarily a physical challenge but a mental challenge and there was this point where we we're up at the lake, and we'd just gotten up. We were all stoked. It was the best fishing session, and we ate a bunch of food. And we just climbed up from this lake, and we got back to our bikes. And uh, we wanted to get this shot. And it was with the drone <laughs> of the lake. It was going to be like the big cover shot for the trip. Like, let's get this shot. I was like, all right, let's drop our bags here. We'll come back with our bikes. So we started walking down to our bikes. <laughs> and we were like, OK. We were not at our bikes yet. Let's keep going. We're we're gonna eventually get there. And then we kept walking and walking. We're like, all right, we're gonna be there soon. We keep walking. I'm like, oh shit, we're not at our bikes yet. This is really far. And then we were discussing bringing our bikes back up to where our bags were, so we could get this really sick shot on this ridge line. And. We were like, oh, fuck, we're not going to be able to bring our bikes up here. Like, that's a long ways. (laughs) That would have been a two-hour endeavor. Yeah, and I started to get mad. I was like, fuck, this is stupid. Like, why are we doing this? Like, ah. And for me, that was like a mental challenge because I had to accept that it was my fault. We were in this situation because I suggested leaving our bags up there to go return to them. So I immediately ran back up to the bags, grabbed them, and then brought them down to a more reasonable shot (laughs) spot to get the shot. And, and I didn't want to accept responsibility for that at first. I was like, oh, this is stupid. We're like, like, why are we doing this? And then I realized, you know, after some thinking and some, uh, you know, some reflection that maybe that wasn't the best decision, but it was, it it probably was my fault. And it was a mental challenge because at this point in the trip, we were just trying to get shot after shot after shot. And we're just trying to make, make sure we covered all the bases. And it made me realize like what we need to do is just think about really break it down. Like, what do we need to do right now? I need to just go up there, get the bags. I'll meet up with the dudes. We'll get the shot and then we'll keep moving before we run out of light. We just need to do it. And after that, we started riding again and I got back on the bike and just started pedaling down the trail. And then Five minutes later, I totally forgot what happened. I think Scotty and Brent probably did too because we were all in a lot of pain and getting eaten by bugs. <laughs> and the next thing you know, we were totally reset back on the trail, yeah. having a great time. And for me, that was the lowest point mentally. Um, and, I don't, and I think the mental challenges for me are a little bit more intense than the physical challenges. Because physical challenges, I feel like I can push through. You know, it's, it's the mental aspect of this sort of trip. That that really pushes you because your body can usually perform. If you really push yourself, you can. Your body can do a lot more things than you'd ever imagine it can do. Like the human body is insane. It's insanely capable, but it's being able to push through the pain and push through the discomfort and that mental strength that really separates success from failure. And doing and spending time on the trail and trying to film and cover all the bases and with the pressure of, you know, s- s- fulfilling needs for sponsors and getting the right shots and, you know, um, maintaining, you know, a good vibe and everything. It's just like, it's hard to, it's hard to do it all. And it really is. And the best thing you can do is just, you know, come really break it down, think about what's important, what needs to be done and just do it. I mean,
0: and like talking it out, I think was really good because with that, Your low point you're talking about, I felt like was the most tension that we had as a group throughout the whole trip, you know? And I think that a lot of that tension was because we weren't communicating. We were all too tired to communicate. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We were just like pissed, you know, and just like irritated and tired. But then, you know, when we finally got to camp or whenever it was, there's a certain point when you're just like, dude, you know what? Like, I'm sorry. You know, I was feeling this way, blah, blah, blah. Like we talked it out. No one's feelings were hurt. And we moved on from it, you know. And I think that's why like this crew worked out so well throughout the whole time because we were just, we could have been like, "Wow, well, no, fuck you, Will," <laughs> you know, and then just been all bitter to you the rest of the trip. But yeah, that wouldn't dude, have done us any good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nah,
2: dude, I was really surprised. That was like the worst blow up we had. I mean, other than that, it was all sunshine and rainbows as far as the group dynamic. Yeah, and that was pretty minor, really. Like you got frustrated for thirty minutes yeah 40 minutes
0: yeah
1: like yeah dude you just gotta accept responsibility sometimes and and move on and say I'm sorry and we're all friends yeah like we we trust each other you know we're out there and um you know if something goes wrong you have to be able to take action and make it right again
0: I think something that I really appreciated too was when we were on a really hard pedal especially uphill you know maybe I'd pedal up next to brand or brandon come up next to me or whatever it was and you know both of us very easily could have been like man this sucks like we're i'm getting our ass whooped right now or whatever like let's stop and just that like anytime we would say all right let's take a break all of us were like yep but if if you would pedal up next to me and be like all right dude let's kill it you know we're, we're gonna keep going it gives you just a little bit more to get through that next turn and you just kind of forget about the pain for a little bit longer so i thought that was that was we kept that vibe up the whole time, for the most part. You yeah. know, no one was complaining about My how legs hard hurt this
2: yeah or the other. It was always like, no.
0: doing good, dude. We just got a little more, one more hill till the next one. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. we're all that. feeling it. We're we all felt the tiredness and the pain. We know how each other's feeling. You yeah, know? you we, don't need. you don't s- need to say it. <laughs> 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 That's
0: great. I did really appreciate that Ridgeline Trail especially the downhill stuff like when we hit that downhill section at sunset that was one of the coolest things i've ever seen just going down that trail looking off into where the sun was setting into the valley and you're riding along the freaking mountain at the very top you can look off the other side you see the other side of the mountain and then you look up this side and you see into the next valley we're about to go into like that was so epic
2: yeah that was a a full-on alpine experience and that that might have been your first, like, ridge top at sunset in the backcountry. That is just my happy place. Oh, that was the most special part of the trip for me.
1: It was. It's just so cool getting that perspective on where you are on planet Earth, where you started your trip, and then where you're going because you can see everything around you from that point, you see hundreds of miles. I mean, I don't know if you can see hundreds of miles, but you can see pretty dang far. Yeah. And you know how low those valleys are when you're standing on top of a mountain because you can see it. And that's where we started. Was the very lowest point of the trip was by you know, the main stem of the river nearby. And you know that's where all the water's flowing off the mountains. So that's a low point. And that's a lot of vertical elevation that we gained with our legs and our own bodies. And it's just, there's something gratifying about doing that all under your own human power because those roads lead up to the single track. We could have very well taken a car and drove to 6000 feet and then just gained, you know, 1000 feet on our bikes, but we started down at under 3000 feet and then did it all on our own power. And you don't get the same feeling if you put in less work to get there. It's the work that you put in to get to that high mountain, it it matters when you get to the top because it just makes it that more that much more exciting
2: yeah i can't explain why but i totally agree it's like same with skiing you know if you hike your way to the top feels a lot better coming down versus if you took the chairlift and i don't I don't know how to explain it, it just seems better and i'm not like particularly staunch about oh i have to earn all my turns no but they still feel better when you do earn them yeah <laughs>
1: Exactly.
0: It's the same as hiking in to fish somewhere, you know. Instead of maybe fishing off right off the at a pull off, yep. you know, maybe you hike in a mile, half a mile even. Like, it's just so much more rewarding, and you're usually going to get better fishing. <laughs> yeah. Because <Yeah. laughs> the fish see less flies. Yeah, that's perfect way to put it.
1: Is it the yeah? It's like is it the physical result? Yeah, you're at the top of a mountain. You can get to that same mountain in two different ways. You're there, but it's the it, is it the result or is it What's leading up to the result, you know? It's it's how you get there. It, it it's it's not about the actual result all the time. It's the it's the whole experience um, that's important. So I don't know. It's the journey. It's the journey. It's the journey, at the destination. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a good quote, dude. Where'd you get that? Yeah, that's at? original. I made it up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, what did you guys? Now that we finished the trip and we've gone through it, what do you what do you think we could have done? better to improve or done differently maybe next time because i i hope there's a next time there will definitely be a next time there's got to be
2: a next time uh i'll go first i want to get a different bike (laughs) 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 no i mean aside from that i think we you know we put in a lot of preparation from january until now we've been planning this trip this trip and we had our route pretty well ironed out um you know i think we could have potentially done a little bit less food like i still had four or five bars left over i mean you want to leave some room for cushion on in the event of a mechanical or something but uh we could have dialed our gear in just a bit better um man i don't know like i think we we nailed it pretty good like real fine tuning is all that i think would have needed
1: Yeah, I think fine-tuning. Some gear could have been switched out for other gear. I had a reel that sat in my frame bag the entire time, never got used once. So that was an extra probably pound that was on my bike that I didn't need. Um, A couple other pieces of filming gear. I kind of wish I brought more bars instead of mountain houses. I planned more for the dinner side of things instead of the the immediate calories I needed while riding. And, yeah, I think about a bar an hour for climbing would have been the move. So for each hour of pedaling hard uphill could have eaten another, you know, few hundred calories to support that because, you know, you don't want to be out of energy. That just sucks. You just like the more energy you have, the more you can keep going and more you can crush. So I think, yeah, just a few little gear tweaks here and there. Um, I know Scotty and I were talking about maybe planning out our shots ahead of time, you know, for any of the filmmakers watching, um it's really good to just have your shots planned out ahead of time, but for this sort of trip, it's new to you guys, so it's hard to plan out every little detail like that until you actually experience it cuz you don't really know what you're planning. Mm-hmm. So, it's it's tough, man. Sometimes with this sort of trip, you got to take it as an adventure and just kind of roll with the punches and just you can and, and then take this experience and maybe just improve what you can for next time cuz that's all you can really do.
0: Well, something we talked about was and this happens a lot with people and and especially myself, like you think you have to have everything prepared to do something. And this trip, we very much, you were probably the most, you're definitely the most prepared out of all of us. But Brett and I were definitely not perfectly prepared for this trip, you know, to get everything done exactly right. But that's okay. Like we went through that process. You kind of have to just like, I, I love the analogy of, throwing the backpack over the fence and you have to go get it <laughs> yep. right so it's we committed to it we're going to be as prepared as we can but you there's a certain point when you just have to commit and be like all right we're doing this we'll figure it out as we go and so i think with the filming side of things next time you know planning for like those moments when to capture knowing oh there's going to be an uphill a really steep uphill climb here let's get the cameras rigged before this hill because there's going to be some suck that we want to capture yep. you know or maybe let's plan more around the light of the day like we don't need to shoot every new bend which is hard for us you know yeah, you're like oh a this is a sick <laughs> angle this is a sick bend but no let's wait let's just pedal through get to when the light's gonna be good and then get our shots that we want knocked out then so yeah mm-hmm. being more prepared on the front end shot like shooting wise would definitely help but, at the same time, if you look at what we've all been doing over the last month and a half, two months, it's like all of our schedules have been insanely busy. <laughs> so yeah.
2: how many nights have you guys stayed at home in the past month before this trip? I bet I had like four nights at my own bed.
0: I had one week or I had probably ten days total in June, and then probably a week and a half, two weeks in July,
1: yeah. I'd say probably less than five days in my house in the last month.
0: Yeah. So, like, one thing I really do
2: want to say to the viewers is, the biggest thing that holds me back from doing any trip like this is feeling like there's no way I can do it. I'm never going to be ready enough. Like, I'm never going to be in good enough shape, or like my schedule's not. Is my schedule's going to be too busy? Like, if you if you just start planning it out early enough, you can. You totally can do this. Like. No offense, Scotty, but you're mountain biking. Like you had, you started mountain biking,
0: really six
2: months ago, maybe no, less than, like June. Yeah, <laughs> I've gone so, mountain
0: biking downhill, probably three or four times.
2: It's crazy. Like, throw the backpack over the fence and just go do it, because none of us were fully prepared for what, what was about to happen, and we had a ton of fun problem solving had a ton of fun on the adventure. Like, if we all would have waited until we were prepared and ready and had every last detail planned out, the trip never would have happened. So, I mean, like you just said, at some point you just got to throw the backpack over the fence. I think that's a great way to put it. But to the viewers out there that think, oh my gosh, that's a trip I could never do, you can do it. You just have to take small steps to plan it out. And then eventually when you're like, Oh, I don't know what else to plan. Throw the backpack. Just go do it. Yeah. Like, we weren't in particularly good shape to go do this. We've, been, we've all been at sea level fishing or not <laughs> doing anything active for the weeks leading up to this. We We did not prepare as much as I would have imagined we sh- should have. And it was still incredible. I didn't feel like that was a determining factor of success or failure. No. So... Yeah, I I wanted to get that to the viewers of like yeah. you can totally do it, just break it off into bite sized pieces. Yeah, and start like, there.
0: Like you've always talked about working backwards. You know, you want to you have a goal. We 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 planned a date out, and we we definitely can do a better job next time. But at least we planned it out, so we knew the steps we needed to take. I had to get a bike. I had to get a frame back. I had to get this or that or whatever. Um, and then if you work backwards from that date, it'll help you kind of map it out. So you know the things you need to do Yep. to get there.
2: Yeah, what's the end goal? I want to go on a bike packing trip July 25th. Okay, how do we make that happen? Well, i got to have a bike. Just start going down the line. Build your process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It
0: That's was good. super fun, you guys. I know. <laughs> I had
1: so much fun. That was the best. I can't wait for another one. Sweet.
0: Well, boys, I had a freaking blast, and this kind of opened, opened my eyes to, I feel like, New adventures that we can go on, new challenges that we can experience, and hopefully, hopefully plan out some cool trips together. Um, but and for all you guys listening, like we've been saying, I think this is a pretty, this was a pretty big trip for me personally, but we were able to accomplish it. And I think if you can start small, even if it's you going out on a weekend backpacking trip or you just go hike a little further into the woods to go to go fish or whatever it is, I think you can i know you're capable of doing it um and just try like it's it's a fun thing to just go try something new and and challenge yourself and i think that's what this this trip was all about like we've been saying but uh if you guys are interested in connecting with brent at all he has uh him and adam our boy adam have a podcast ramblin fly they have their own youtube channel now oh yeah (laughs) which is great so go check them out if you want to hear uh brent ramble some yeah. more do a lot
2: of talking over there if you want to hear this voice again <laughs> yeah.
0: and then uh connect on instagram brent i it's, it's hermanison hermanison yep that probably just go to the link
2: just, below you'll figure it you'll don't, f- don't bother typing that out brent hermanison i love it
0: and then uh obviously you guys know will uh check out will's channel will phelps on youtube we've done a bunch of stuff together and uh will's also been shooting we've been shooting <clears throat> excuse me We've been shooting a bunch of BTS on this trip. So we're going to, Will's putting out a BTS video in lieu or same time as this video comes out. So it should all be live. So go check that out. We're going to talk a little more kind of behind the scenes of the production, like what went on, especially after having some more time to digest this trip and really reflect on it and maybe look back at some of the things that we could have really improved on or whatever.
1: The nitty gritty.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So go check that out and uh, on Instagram and everything. But yeah, boys, I had a blast and uh, I can't wait to do something again.
1: I'm hungry for more, more <laughs> miles, more days. <laughs> I know. Let's go big.
2: Exactly. Yeah. I'm hungry for it too, man. That was, that was such an awesome trip. I mean, it mentally challenging, physically challenging, but so rewarding. I feel like recharged and re-energized to go back into the real world. Super fun. Yeah. Love to do it again totally
1: i've never been more excited to edit and sit in front of a computer in my life (laughs) i know dude exactly um
0: well you guys have any anything else to to wrap it up i know we got some fish just down the the trail here that we're gonna go fish or we're gonna try to catch yeah without the cameras let's do that let's do that (laughs) (laughs) thanks everyone (laughs) all right guys well we appreciate y'all and uh we'll see you guys in the next one go check out the films peace out peace